Hello, everyone. Welcome to our, our next episode of A Step Towards the Future. My name is Matt. I have my peers, Marin, Faith, and Scott with me today. We're, today, we're going to be discussing our class, Sociolinguistics in Adolescent Education. So, you know, as we're all going to be future educator, educators, we're all looking forward to becoming, you know, our future teachers in our respective career paths. And we discussed much information about this class, you know, throughout this semester. So guys, you know, uh, what were some key takeaways, any, you know, any key points of class that stood out to any of you that, you know, maybe were memorable or that you're going to take away as, you know, we progress to, to our journeys as future educators? So I don't know about everyone else, but I know for me that like, as a future educator, as a prospective educator, we all hear about like making sure your classroom is an inclusive environment and making sure that everyone's comfortable. But I feel like in this class is where I really learned how to do that and how to be inclusive of people who come from lots of different backgrounds, culturally, linguistically, whatever it may be. And I think um, the biggest thing that I, like the, the biggest thing that taught me how to do that was like the lesson plan that we created. But I don't know about anyone else, if anyone wants, wants to jump in. I know one thing for me I found really important is also the psychological effects it has on students and society about having an inclusive and supportive classroom for linguistically diverse students. I like how uh, Professor Bala, like when talking about this to help us experience other cultures, she put on music from different areas of the world. And I enjoyed that a lot considering music is all about expression and feelings and everyone can express themselves with music. I definitely yeah. agree. And I think it's a really good point too, because Professor Bowler, she um, not only spoke about how to be linguistically diverse in the classroom and include all students, but she also herself did everything she talked about. So she not only talked the talk, but she walked the walk as well. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to like the music thing, I feel like um, our youth today, like they're so connected to music. And I feel like including music in the classroom is a great way to like connect to students and like be on the same page as them and just like try to relate to them in a way. And I also love that like we could give her requests about like songs that we liked and that were like from different parts of the country. And like, it was overall just like a great idea. I know too, just want to add on, you know, it's like a great study, study technique. You know, if anyone ever needs a little break, just put on a little music, calm down a little bit, kind of get yourself refocused and, you know, go on from there. Absolutely. So as we were just, just, you know, just discussing, clearly a big takeaway from this class is if we want to make classrooms more diverse, well, classrooms are diverse. We want to make them more welcoming, especially to students that may not speak English or maybe English language learners, or, you know, that maybe not, they don't feel that they're welcome in the classroom. So, you know, guys, as we, I know we kind of touched upon this, but why do we need to foster, you know, healthy and very interacting classroom environments? Why is it important, especially for us future teachers to make students feel, you know, welcome in there in the classroom? Well, I think it definitely provides an open, accepting and supportive mindset for all students and even the, the other adults in the classroom. And that mindset can really help them in their future to not only worry about um, being accepting to everyone in the classroom, but in their future when they grow up and they're in their job, we're just meeting people on the street and saying hi and having that open, kind mindset. Yeah, I also think like from personal experiences, like with high school, middle school, whatever it may be, if I had a teacher that like wasn't accepting of like different cultures and backgrounds and wasn't trying to make an effort to get to know each and every one of their students on a more personal level and trying to be like relatable, never really want to 
high in that class because they felt that my teacher didn't care about my educational needs or like any of my needs really. I feel like if teachers don't foster that kind of environment where like students feel comfortable and like need to talk to them and like have a conversation outside of just like um, what's happening like with the subject matter and everything, um, they're not gonna try to do their best. I know like for me when I, like one of my math teachers, he would always like encourage me to do my best and like would always like be there to like relate to like my experiences. And that would always make me try to um, do better and like make sure that I'm trying to um, like, I was trying to, what's it called? Like please him and like show him that like I could, I'm capable of like answering these questions and everything. So having a teacher that like, you know, cares about your success inside and outside of the classroom is super important. Yeah, I kind of had a similar experience as you, Marin, in orchestra. My orchestra teacher was very accepting and open, and he always wanted to get it to know us. Like, he always had us come in on free periods, and before we started every class, he'd ask us how we're doing. And it really helped us, I think, as you were trying to say, to motivate and encourage us to not only do well on that subject, but just in general, which I think is really important as an educator. Oh, for sure. Like, the thing that separates, like, a good teacher from a great teacher is how they interact with their students. And a teacher is so important in how a student thinks or like can be influenced because of their relationship with the teacher and a positive teacher that's always caring about the students and looking out for them will be liked by the students and the students will feel inclined to put in more effort to what they want to do, not just in the classroom, but also outside of it. 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, in addition to having, you know, these outstanding teachers that are putting themselves out there, you know, we also have different uh, ethnicities and cultures of students that we're going to have, you know, within our classrooms. It's important, like we, you know, we all just said we treat them with respect, we make sure that they're, you know, that they're involved in the classroom and they don't feel left out. And I think a key component of this class, which we did this semester, was actually the virtual exchange, guys. So, you know, the virtual exchange played a significant, I think, role throughout the semester. Some groups might add a little bit more conversation than others, but I think overall it was a great experience having, you know, our virtual, uh, um, having our virtual students meeting with them. Did you guys have any, have any takeaways? Did you learn anything from it? Any, you know, comments, suggestions? I have nothing but good things to say about the virtual exchange. Like I always like tell my friends and everyone, like I was really lucky to be partnered up with the person that I was. We shared a lot of like the same, um, this, we had the same work ethic, we had lots of similar interests, but like we also did have our differences, whether that be culturally or linguistically. And it's taught me as a future educator to be mindful that like not all of my students will come from the same background as I did or like have the same educational um, experiences that I did. So I have to be wary of that. And it's also taught me to be more patient with English language learners and to just know that like, um, like there's this whole idea of, you know, standard English and like, and a lot of teachers have that mindset where they're like, oh, everyone should know this because I know it, but it's taught me that like, no, not everyone does need to know that because that's not right, the standard right. at all. Yeah, I think for me, I know Marin, I joined with you and your partner as well. And it really encouraged the idea of translanguaging and, and talk moves and all these things we learned in the classroom um, in sociolinguistics that we can provide in our future class. It really helped me at least to begin using that now in my younger years and kind of experience that as a student. So I feel like it's, it's helpful to see how that works as a student. So when you're an adult, you can remember back when you were a student and you can know how that feels. And I know as well for me, it only enhanced the idea when working with your virtual partner. 
um, for the international part. Uh, I know it really just for me enhanced the idea that everyone's similar despite their background and their culture, but there's always something in common despite like where you came from. There's always gonna be differences, but there's always similarities within everybody. I totally agree. Um, I know one issue I had personally with the virtual exchange was some technical issues, but that's to be understood considering we're communicating overseas and with the pandemic, everybody's on the internet, so it's a bit difficult sometimes. But from the experiences that technology wasn't given uh, my partner and I issues with, we were able to learn a bit more about each other and like how we both live. And we were able to compare and contrast like the things we do to appreciate each other's cultures and each other. I know for me personally, one of my favorite things, why I had two virtual students when I met with them, they did they did translanguaging quite a lot. And I actually liked that because let's say they were in the, like, we're, you know, we were in the middle of a conversation on Zoom. And maybe one of them didn't know how to say a certain word, you know. They translanguage, they could, well, yeah, yeah, they spoke Spanish to each other, tried to figure out another English synonym they could use, and, you know, they helpfully communicated their point across to me. And I also liked the second project we did. We got to kind of develop our own little lesson plan and share it with our virtual students. So me and Scott, we did chemistry, so we had a blast showing them, you know, because we want to be a chemistry teacher, showing them, you know, the chemistry we knew, seeing what they knew, any, uh, any words that were similar to English, and, you know, what facts are, you know, what facts they knew about chemistry, so... That was quite quite an experience as well. Yeah, I know Faith and I, we made a lesson plan for my virtual partner and we did math. And I think one of the things that really like blew me away was like when we were creating this lesson plan, we incorporated translanguaging, talk moves, all that stuff. So like there was like questions that were like in Spanish and like there were like um, side notes where it was like in English, like uh, how to form um, questions and like, you know, those sentence starters. And I think like, Looking back at my own high school experience, none of my teachers ever did that. They never incorporated different languages into their lesson plans, despite having a really cultural student um, culturally diverse student population. And like, it was just like, so crazy to think like, we're doing this and like, it's super important. And like, I understand why we're doing it, but like the fact that I've never seen this in my high school, middle school, whatever it may be at all is like really mind blowing to me. And I don't know if any of you guys had the same experiences. I agree. I know I might start, sorry, Faith. You can go ahead. No, you're good. Okay. I also wanted to touch a little bit on our um, project number two that Mary and I did. I know we also used uh, visual learning too, and um, our partner really commented on how that helped her to feel encouraged throughout the lesson and really feel engaged. And I think that I wanted to say, a little, it touches back to a little bit what we were saying before about having a personal interest and um, something teachers can even do in their future classrooms is even involving their home life. Um, like if they know a parent speaks a certain language or they do a certain occupation, they can include that for the students to really help the student feel like they play a role and feel involved. Go ahead, Matt. Thanks. As you say, I know too, back to Marin's question, I know my high school, we, uh, we didn't really have one of those experiences where not really virtual or um, I wish we had that. And I hope, you know, as we become future educators and, you know, we get more diversity within our world, we will have some more experiences like that. But in general, it's very fun having one of those types of lesson plans to, you know, develop something for our students. 
Yeah, and I think it can even help the educator to learn something because I think a lot of the times when we think about education for students, we think about what just the student is learning. And a lot of the times when we include all these different types of learning, like transimaging, talk moves, or visualization, it helps the educator to learn as well, which in turn just helps everybody to change and adapt and evolve and just become better overall. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that kind of leads us into the conversation of like, with like in with regards to um, translanguaging within our lesson plans and like incorporating different languages, like the use of standard English, quote unquote, and like how most teachers, at least the teachers that I've had in my past, like view standard English as like, you need to know this. And like, if you don't, then you're the problem. So like, what do you guys think of that? I know I'm very opinionated with that. Well, I know, especially like telling a student that they have like a problem or issue, it's very downgrading and it can discourage the student. And the whole point of being an educator is not only to teach them in your specified subject or whatever you're trying to teach them, but also to help them grow as an individual and to encourage confidence and courage so they can pursue their futures. So I think it's really important that educators do include um, all these things that we've been talking about and not discourage them telling them that they're a problem and they have to speak a certain way because you want to help them to become a better version of themselves and help them to eventually change their future generation and the generation after that so i think it's really important to keep a positive environment going in the classroom for sure and even if there are students struggling with something the tone and the message like how you phrase it can be can give two very different uh feelings from the student like if a student is having an issue with something, hearing that they they have a problem isn't really helpful for them. Right? If the teacher was like, "Hey, do you think we could meet like one on one and go a bit over with this to help solidify this?" is more of a appropriate response, I think, and encourages shows them you're more of a friend rather than just a teacher that gives them a grade. Yeah, for sure. And I also think like teachers need to understand that like standard English isn't the only way to speak. Like there's also different um, ways of speaking like AAVE, like that's a legitimate um, language and a form of speaking. And like lots of teachers are just like, oh, stop using slang in my classroom or like something along those lines. But like they don't really understand that this is like a legitimate language and like it's something that should and can be used in the um, in the classroom. So I think that's like something super important that like lots of teachers need to learn and like especially teachers who are like really stuck in their ways and like have a really fixed mindset on how to teach like I think it's super important to get that message across that like we need to adapt especially with the times and with our culturally diverse student population like we need to take that into account. Yeah and I think discouraging how a student talks no matter how they're speaking it really kind of takes away from their personality and as a teacher you really or an educator uh, you really want to just encourage their personality because that helps them form into who they are and taking a part of that away is just hindering them. I especially like, you know, when the teachers are, like you guys have been saying, when they're very outgoing there and they're trying to get the students to get them all involved and incorporated. I think, you know, it's just one of the greatest of them all. I know for me, I, you guys too remember when we, I think one of the videos we watched towards the end of the semester, you know, we watched towards the, uh, yeah, towards the end of the semester of the, the one student, they're doing the math lesson and the student chose that student and he didn't really uh, know how to explain it in English. That's probably one of the hardest things I, I had to watch probably for being a future educator. So I know certainly in my classroom, you know, when we get to that point, you know, we're, um, 
certainly gonna make sure those students are involved in, you know, we're going to provide what we can for them, for those students to be beneficial and, you know, to get by. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's, um, Matt, you had some interviewees that you wanted to let in and they're in the waiting room, so we can oh, yes. let them in. Hello, Beverly. Yes, hi. Hi, Beverly. Hi, let me Matt. Let me, hi. Let me just introduce uh, Beverly Matt. real quick, guys. So uh, I know Beverly for almost two years now. You know, she's an RN. She went back to school, actually, to become a nurse, and now she's focusing to become a doctor. So Beverly, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, you know, we have a few questions, actually, that hopefully, you know, you can answer because, you know, we all want to be future educators. So hopefully you can show us what your education experience was like, you know, to see what, what we might have to work on as educators for, you know, our classroom. So okay, thank you for being here. Yes. So I guess our first question is, could, could you just tell us a little a background about yourself? You know, where you, where you, when you, uh, how old you were you when you came to the oh. United States, what languages you might speak? Uh, yeah. Just a little background on yourself. Okay. Um, well, I came to the United States at the age, I was in transition age. So I landed at 16 and the next day I was 17 years of age. So I started high school in the US at 17. I went into the ninth grade at 17 years of age. Um, it was so, in my coming, I came from Trinidad, which is in the Caribbean, the West Indies. And family background, my, my grandmother, um, her parents was um, from Venezuela. My grandfather, their family was from uh, St. Lucia. So it was French, Spanish mix. Um, but we didn't speak any foreign language. We didn't speak any other language but English. But of course, when you come to the United States, the English is different because um, we were taught under the British system. And then our accent is totally different. So, you know, that was, you know, so that was the type of situation um you know there but you know so for me it was it was okay but it was also difficult because um I basically started strangely enough I basically started school like all over again um transitioning from Trinidad to the United States I can't tell you what happened but somehow like I had a total mental block. So for me, it seems like I didn't know anything at all. Um, so I had to start, I always say I started from ABC. So I started from full, I don't know, maybe it was called remedial, I'm not sure what it was. But I started from the lowest level in high school. Um, you know, all the way up to be able to get to do the regents exams to be able to graduate. So, so that's you know, basically so, the background for me. <laughs> cool. So uh, I actually, that's a fascinating point because we actually spoke about like accents and different, you know, uh, similar things in our class. So good to mm -hmm. know that, you know, what you learned in Trinidad is, you know, was a little different than the English we use here. Um, yes. Since, you know, you were just speaking about 
going through school again. Did you find uh, your teachers back then, did they help you out in the classroom, Beverly? Like, did you feel they supported you? Maybe some, or did you have any teachers that maybe didn't help as much you would like? Like, uh, could you touch upon that a little bit? Okay, from, well, from what I could, what I could remember, I just have, um, I could say a distinctive teacher that probably helped. Um, and that was in like one of the, the English classes, you know, um, I can't say exactly, but she really helped you to understand, like to be able to read the words. Like, so for instance, we had total different spelling. So where in the US you may have one letter um, for a word, we may have it as like a double. I can't remember right. everything, but something like, you know, probably maybe, I, I'm not sure. I can't really think of a word exactly, but it was double word. You know, you know it you was mean, spelled yeah. double, right? Or it was spelled totally different how it was pronounced. So we, so I learned pronunciation and that's how you spell. And so it's, it's not exactly that way in the U.S. It's kind of like pronounced differently from the way it's spelled. So you, so, so that's what, you know, that was kind of a big problem. Being able to, you know, to read that type of English or being able to spell those words is just like totally different. You know, I hear too, you know, you have a, a, you know, a bit of an accent. When you went to school, did, did any of your teachers get frustrated at your accent? Like, did they understand what you were saying? Like, you know, um, did, no, they did not. And they could not much. So okay, I didn't good. speak much. Right. Okay. I restrained from speaking because I didn't want to be shunned or have to repeat oh, what I okay. have to say. So I kind of like try to be less verbal as possible. <sighs> okay, that, that, that's a big point. Cause I know for us hearing that, you know, we certainly don't want that in our future classroom. We want all students to be able to voice their opinions regardless, they might have an accent or they might mispronounce something. So, you know, th thanks for sharing that. That's uh, mm -hmm. pretty, that's pretty important. And I guess one, one of our last questions is, you know, do you do you have any advice for future teachers or current teachers that like any advice that maybe to help students become more welcoming or how to how we could like make students get not feel shunned or, you know, any like tips for us? It could be anything. Uh, well, what I would say, if you're able um, to get somehow like maybe a few minutes, maybe a few minutes of a one on one with that particular student, you know, that will be able to help. They might be able to explain, you know, something about themselves, how they grew up or maybe how they were taught. And then that will be able to give you like a little insight, you know, in the way you're able to communicate with them or able to teach them. And it's, you know, especially as I said, like in English and math, math is, you know, it's totally different, it's taught, in a different way, um, you know, in these other countries and the way it is um, in the United States. And it's, you know, the way you, you count and, you know, things like that. So, yeah. 
That's, that's big. So that's, I think that's, you know, as, as you said, and also being able to help the child to be able to express themselves. Oh, yeah. That's um, with not being, being shunned or something like you, because they look at you like you just totally like a total idiot or you just totally stupid or you just don't yeah. know anything um but just what you know is not what the students knows in the united states so yeah well beverly we're thankful for coming to our podcast today that, uh, <laughs> you gave us some good tips and it was nice hearing about your background thank you again thank you for joining us thank you so thank much you're welcome. Thank you. Everything that she said was so powerful. And like, oh, yeah. it just went so great with like what we were talking about before. Like um, what she was saying about like, she didn't really talk in the classroom because mm. she was afraid of what everyone would think of like her accent yeah. or like not being able to speak how everyone else spoke. I think that's so heartbreaking too. Like just the fact that like she was thinking that, like I never want to create an environment for like my future students where they think that they can't even like ask a question or like, say what's on their mind because they're afraid of what like the teacher might say to them or what their students might think and like that's just so heartbreaking here the same thing set out for me as well i i really found that like completely like upsetting that she couldn't she didn't want to express herself because she was afraid like i just how you felt Marin. i want my students to express themselves no matter whether no matter what they say, I want them to be able to express themselves in the classroom. Because again, if you're discouraging that ability for them to express themselves, you're really taking away from who they are, which is going to take a long time for them to get back. So I think it's really important that we allow everyone to feel yeah. included and that they play a role in the classroom. That it's important that they're there because we really want them there. I agree. School is for everyone. Like everyone, I believe, should have the right to become educated. And Nobody should really feel shut out from an opportunity based on where they're from, how they speak, what they think. I think everyone should feel allowed to be there, like they deserve to be there, because everyone has the right to become educated. Yeah. I think when she was talking about like how math was really different from like where she grew up and like how it is in the States, like depending on an educator's like whatever subject matter that they're teaching, like they have to be accommodating. And like, I know for me and Faith, like we want to go into math. So like, we have to be wary about like the um, backgrounds of our students. And like, if they did come from another country or like another state, or like if they were taught differently, cause like we have common core standards and like, unfortunately we do have to stick to those standards, but we do have to find a way to like, make sure all of our students are on a level playing field and that they're understanding like what we're teaching them. Because if they're just still lost, like and they feel like they can't even like ask for help because they don't know, even know where to start. Like we can't have that happen. And I feel like that's something that all educators, depending on their subject matter, have to be wary about. Yeah, and I even agree with you. I know when we did our, going back to our project, when we did that, we had to change the units of measurement because, you know, the U.S. is different from any other country. So someone coming in, they might not know what we're talking about. And I think that goes hand in hand with what Beverly was saying, that she went back to the basics. And I think it's really important as educators that we make it common that we remind our students of the basics in case they learned it or they didn't. We just start at the beginning so they don't feel like they're behind or there's something wrong with them because there's nothing wrong with being a step behind. Everyone works at their own pace and it's so important to make sure everyone feels included and important. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Guys signed it up great. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is like never make assumptions, like never assume that like your students will know something or that they'll be 
um, familiar with like a certain phrase that you use. And like, that's something that could lead to miscommunication in the classroom. And like, I think that's also a big thing. How do you prevent miscommunication and like misunderstandings between students and teachers and like involving like student expectations and teacher expectations? I think that even goes hand in hand with what we were saying before about a teacher-student relationship, because knowing your student will really give you that advantage to maybe knowing what they know. Even though you won't know everything that they know, it gives you an idea about the student and it can really help you adapt your material and what you're teaching and how you're teaching to each student in the classroom. I think we hit a lot of points in a really short amount of time, but like everything we're saying is super important Good. and I think it needs to be said. For sure. I don't know if anyone else has anything else to say. Any other questions, comments? If anyone is listening, for any future educators, make sure to take any points we have and try and include that in your classroom so we can create a better tomorrow. Thank you, everyone that joined our podcast this week. Please, any questions, just reach out to us. You know, like I said before, whether it's a life lesson or you're just going for education or not, you know, it's really important to keep these lessons in mind. So. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Dr. Bowler, for a great semester. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.